1: Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out deep into your retirement or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman.
2: Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My two guests this hour are Robert Mallon and Bill Watkins, who are both co-founders of what's called the Rusty Lion Academy, which helps small businesses improve themselves. Welcome to both of you.
3: Jordan, thank you so much. This is Robert. i glad to be on the show today.
4: Jordan, thanks for the invitation. This is Bill.
2: So let's just start with a little bit of your background. Let's start with Robert. A little bit of your background in business and what led you uh, to found Rusty Lion Academy along with Bill.
3: Well, absolutely. Um, I actually started back in the restaurant business back in the late 1970s and worked with uh, two real large corporations for about 20 years And then back in the early nineteen, let's see, what was it? Early nineteen nineties, I went into software, and did that for about eight years up until two thousand two, I guess it was. And uh, hired a coach. I was actually working in corporate America for all those years, and I was just tired of corporate America, Jordan. If you could believe that, and I, I just needed to do something else with my life. So I hired this guy, and one of the questions that he asked me was, "If you could be anything in the world, what would you be?" And I still have the piece of paper I wrote this down on. But I said, I said, quote unquote, and this sounds so stupid now, but it's what I said. I said I would be some sort of a motivational speaker, and I would help people improve their lives. And he said, well, why aren't you doing that? So five months later, I had left the software business and started a speaking career that took off quite well, actually. And then about a year after that, started coaching uh, businesses. Business owners started calling and, you know, people that were in uh, some of the seminars that I did started asking, can you work with my company or the leaders within my company? I said, sure, and started doing that. And then back in 2013, actually, Bill, uh, he'll tell his story in just a second, but he had sold his businesses and was looking for something to do. And he and I have been best friends for about 20 years And he also has the same passion I do for uh, growing men and helping business owners really grow their businesses and have great lives at the same time. So we hooked up at that and It's just been a wonderful ride since then.
2: Great. And tell us your story, Bill.
4: So I'm a West Point graduate, a decorated Army officer. I was a world-class athlete, corporate executive. And then, as Robert said, I was a serial entrepreneur. Started my first company in my garage in uh, 94, 93, 94, and built those companies up to an eight-figure enterprise, which I sold in uh, 2012. And as Robert said, I was brainstorming what was next for this serial, serial entrepreneur. And eventually, in talking to Robert and a lot of my trusted advisors, I concluded two things. One, I was really good at Um, achieving success and winning, and number two, I was also pretty uh, life-skilled at failure. In other words, I had led myself to a lot of self-inflicted failure, uh, a lot of which uh, led me to some great places in life, but I wanted to help um, particularly men. I wanted to work with men, business owners and key executives, um, have the wins, stand on the top of the podium, and along the way, avoid uh, lots of the failures and and have fewer scars than I had. So Robert and I talked about it, brainstormed it, and eventually we decided to join forces as leader, developers, as business owner coaches. And so we launched Rusty Line Academy in
2: 2013. So Robert, maybe tell us what the, the name Rusty Lion Academy means and kind of where did that come from?
3: That's a great question. Bill, uh, as he said, he was a world-class athlete back in the 70s and 80s. And I think the last time he rode his bike was in 1984. So he took about 30 years off. And then back in 2009, I can remember when he uh, he called me and he says, you know what I think I want to do? I want to set a goal of uh, getting on a professional world-class podium sometime in the next couple of years in bike racing. And he hadn't been on a bike in in 30 years. And so he started this uh, quest Uh, for two years, actually, maybe a little over two years of doing uh, achieving that goal. And he had a blog, and the blog was called Rusty Lion. So Bill's over 50 years old. And we kind of see lions, uh, if you were to, Jordan, if you were to walk up on a lion on the savannah, and actually I was in Africa two weeks ago. I didn't see a lion, but uh, I would suggest that you didn't do that. But you would see that they have like scars all over them. But many times those scars bring a lot of wisdom. And so Bill was talking about his adventure of that, uh, you know, championship run on that blog post. And the name was just a name that we both loved, Rusty Lions. So we deal with Lions. And I hate to say Bill and I are Rusty Lions because we're over the age of 50. We've got some scars to prove that. But he actually, just so you know, he actually won the Men's National Championship and he was racing against guys in the, in their 20s and 30s, professional uh, bike riders, back in 20, what was that, Bill, 2011 or 12?
2: 2011. 11, yeah. So you're saying that people who are so-called older, meaning over 50, have certain advantages over younger people that are not often appreciated. Is that what you're saying, Bill? <laughs> what? <laughs>
3: Well, um, some, but not all, I'll tell you that
2: maybe a few, but,
4: uh, you know, we, we're, we're not taking credit away from the, the guys behind us, uh, on their way up. I mean, Robert and I were both those guys. We were testosterone laden supermen back in our twenties, thirties, forties, even our fifties. But along the way, um, Uh, we weren't great guys at seeking advice. We weren't great guys at building um, advisors around us. I I can certainly speak for myself. So I think um, I probably self-inflicted some mistakes on myself and, and led myself down some rabbit holes that I didn't need to had I been wiser and listened more. And so we did have men. I had uh, Colonels Miles Caggins and, and Robert had Harold Huff and, and uh, W.K. Wilson who came alongside him. So I think what we're saying is um, to our audience, our audience is full of game changers. I mean, they're the the best of the best in business and in, and in life. What we're saying is um, you're already good. You've already had successes. Have more success by avoiding some of the uh, – the the pitfalls that we ran down. And so seek out advice, seek out experts, seek out your personal board of director counsel and, um, and learn faster, faster than you normally can yourself.
2: You think of people starting businesses today kind of in two categories, younger people who are kind of disruptors who are maybe recently out of school and kind of starting new apps and new websites, and then older people who might be finished with corporate America starting again. Or using their experience to, uh, you know, kind of take take the next step, you might say, from their existing careers. Are you helping mm. both those categories, or mostly the second one?
4: No, actually, um, our our sweet spot is a thirty to forty nine year old man. We we uh, there's a specific reason we work only with men, but man, business owner or key executive, CEO, COO, president, something like that. They're always, uh, I would say. In the high 90 percentile uh, of our audience is married, and uh, most of those have children. Um, And their businesses are between 2 and 10 million-ish. Now, we have a few with larger businesses of that. It would be rare that we would have anyone under 2 million because they just couldn't afford us. So that's our sweet spot. And the reason is this... um, you're correct. That younger generation is out um, finding their way and creating the apps and the excitement. The older generation maybe has finished a career and wants a second career. But there's a there's another group, um, and I think it's twofold. One, it's the guy who just wants to get better. He has a gnawing feeling that he's missing something. You know, he's good, but he's not world class yet, and he knows he can be. And then w- there's another side to the group that, that is attracted to us, and it's the guy who is charging along in a fast-moving, jet-fuel-driven you know, career. He's making huge impact, but he's almost careening in the corner out of control, and, and he knows it. And so far, he's been able to avoid that catastrophic crash. But he feels like he's on the edge, and uh, when we ask those guys to describe their life, they say words like frenzied and chaos and and out of control and hanging on by my fingertips. And so, I think there's that third group, Jordan, that um, um, reaches out to to, uh, to 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 expertise and experience, so that they either you know pull themselves up just to another notch, to the world-class notch, and they're already good, or it's the guys who are good, but maybe even world-class, but they're almost out of control.
2: You were saying, Bill, that you had some failures and that you've learned from failures. Oh, maybe just give yes. an example of, of a particular failure that you had and what you learned from that that might apply to existing business owners.
4: Hmm. Well, I've had so many. Yeah,
2: I've had so many,
4: so let me pick one. Um the company that I um, started was called the morena Group, M-A-R-E-N-A, and uh, we were in the um, surgical, the the medical business. And um, I developed some patents, and I developed some technology, and I developed some products, and they were the best of the best of the best. And it was in an industry. That was kind of driven by price and uh, was driven by an a mostly Asian supply chain. And so we just turned that upside down. You know, we were a U.S. manufacturer. We were extremely high priced. And when we started in the 90s, really 90s, I couldn't get an audience with anybody because we were triple or four times the price. So pretty soon we turned the industry upside down. We became the dominant player. We were the gorilla now, Um and we completely upended an industry. And so in 2006, I thought, well, my goodness, I'm so smart at this. What I'm going to do is develop a low-priced product, and I'm just going to take 100% of the the market. And I proceeded to burn at least a half a million dollars um, trying to launch this low-priced company um, and the low-priced product. It completely went against, even with a different name, it went against the the heartbeat and the soul of the first company that I launched. And so therefore, after two years, I literally had to shut it down. Maybe I lost a million dollars. I don't know. But it was a a lesson. I did not listen to my team, my leadership team. I did not listen to my board of directors. I didn't listen to my gut. I don't know what I was doing. I guess I got so greedy and thought I was King Midas that everything that I touched turned to gold. I think that's an example of moving into a direction – without, um, so, sometimes you can do that. I know Steve Jobs did that a lot. Uh, you know, he would, but he's 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 the one Steve Jobs that existed in history, and I'm certainly not him. So I think that's an example of losing a ton of money and time and energy and distraction and resources and probably could have uh, saved myself a lot of headache had I listened to people on the front end.
2: Very good. We're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answers Show. My guests this week, this hour, are Bill Watkins and Robert Mellon. They're the co-founders of the Rusty Lion Academy, which you can find out more about at RustyLionAcademy.com. We'll be back after this.
0: The path to leadership excellence begins here. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network.
1: You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan.
2: Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guests this hour are Bill Watkins and Robert Mallon. We're co-founders of the Rusty Lion Academy, which helps small businesses improve themselves. You can find out more at their website, RustyLionAcademy.com. Welcome back to both of you. Thank you. Thank so we you. We a very good failure from Bill. Uh, so, Robert, why don't you try to top him with a failure that you had and what you might have learned from that?
3: <laughs> well, I never lost a million dollars, so I'm not sure I can top him. But <laughs> back in the, uh, the restaurant days, I, I did that for 20-some-odd years. And... Uh, The problem was, I got married in 1979. My first son was born in 1980, my next son in 82, and then my third son was born in 1988. And the real problem was when everybody else was um, having a great time in life, I was working my hardest. So I worked, uh, like I said, for a couple of large corporations, had areas around the Southeast. And the restaurant business is just extremely uh, intensive as far as the amount of hours that you work. Well, uh, I was raised by a mother. My um, My father and mother divorced when I was in third grade, so I did not have a dad growing up. And like Bill somewhat alluded to earlier, I had a couple of men who really poured into my life who really made a big difference in the way I did life, but I'd never had a dad. So when I had these uh, three sons, nobody, there's no book out there that I could find anyway that told you how to be a great dad. But I knew in the bottom of my heart that I wanted to be a great father because I knew what a bad father looked like, and that's what I grew up with. So working all these hours and missing all these games and, um, yeah, I mean, just time with my family while I I thought that providing for my family was the thing that I needed to be doing. What I really needed to be doing was spending time with my kids and, you know, growing them and raising them the right way. Well, I got smart around 19, I guess it was 1997 was when I left the, uh, the restaurant business and it, it. The problem I had, Jordan, was I had a lot of self-doubt, like that's what I was good at. I actually started working in restaurants when I was about fourteen or fifteen. I didn't count that in the amount of time, but that's what I knew, and that's what I understood, and I didn't think that I could do anything else, and nobody told me that I could do other things too, but what I didn't realize that was that if you can run a restaurant, you can basically run any kind of business on the planet because it's just got everything going on in there. So the failure, I guess you could say, was, I guess, up until the time my oldest son was about 16 or 17 years old, uh, I just was not the father that I wanted to be. And that, to me, was a huge failure because that was something I can remember, uh, quite frankly, and I'm laying my heart out here, but when I was 14 years old, I can really remember thinking, if the good Lord ever gives me kids, I'm going to be a great, great dad, And I meant that when I said that, but I can't really say I lived that for a long time. So for me, you know, when you think about the men who we deal with, uh, Bill and I talk about this a lot. What is the use of having an incredibly great company if you're being served with divorce papers or if your kids don't know who you are when you walk in the door or if the ambulance is showing up because you're so out of shape that you just had a heart attack? And so we're, Bill and I are all about business, you know, and helping the men who we work with have extraordinary businesses, but we will not let them slide on the other part of life too. And that's what kind of sets us away from, um, from most coaches. They're, they're all about the business and not much about the personal life. We, we demand, I guess you could say maybe demand is a little strong, but, Maybe it's the right word. We hold men accountable to really having extraordinary lives, not just extraordinary businesses.
2: So Bill, one of the things you do work on is kind of this work-life balance. So if you have Mm. a small business person where it can consume you completely uh, if you're running the thing, how do do you advise people on doing the correct work-life balance in that situation?
4: Well, I... uh, (laughs) We talk to so many business owners and, uh, that, that uh, this is almost mechanical. Um, I think first, we, we have to grab the right mindset. We have to say uh, our, our business owner, uh, let, let, let's call him Mike. My, Mike is talking to me, and Mike has just asked me that, just what you said. Well, well, Bill, how do I get work-life balance? And I say, well, Mike, you first you have to grab the right mindset, and, and, here, and here it is. First of all, there never is balance. You you need to ditch the word. It's just like when you're when you're overweight and you need to lose weight. You're never on a diet. You got to ditch that word because diet means you're only going to do it temporarily. Yeah. And balance means that somehow you're going to find it. But balance is like yet the yeti it's there. Everybody says it's real, but it's not. There is no work-life balance, especially if you're an entrepreneur and a business owner. You're, it's a moving target all the time. So we call it ebb and flow. The second part of that mindset is this. We live in a very fast uh, high-speed, high speed, uh, 24-7 uh, uh, life and, and, and work society. And so our, uh, Mike needs to realize that This frenzy that he's feeling, this to-do list that has 800 items on it, this guilt that he feels when he's at work kind of missing attending to his family like Robert was, or when he's at home, he's always worried that he's missing something at work. Um, He needs to realize that, number one, everybody's feeling like this, but number two, um, he needs to realize that it's not normal. This is, it's not acceptable is what I want to say. It's normal, but not acceptable. And so once he embeds that mindset, now we move him towards tools. Mm -hmm. And uh, our signature, one of our signature uh, coaching programs is only eight weeks long. And we tell guys, we say, guys, give us eight weeks. And we will give you your life back. We will literally hand you the tools, step by step, week by week, that you're going to use the rest of your life to grab control of this fast-moving world, your fast-moving world, family, home, business, employees, customers, all these moving parts. And you're going to literally be able to lasso them and take control of them. And then there's a third component. And the third component is is people in your corner, accountability help people who care as much about you and as much about your business as you do we, a guy cannot excel in, in today's work culture, today's work life doing life alone I, I did, I was a lone wolf I was Superman, I didn't need any help you couldn't have told me a thing my father's in heaven right now just laughing his butt off because he remembers trying to tell me things and I wouldn't listen but when you put those three things together, a new mindset where you accept the tools that you can be handed in eight weeks. And then you have the guys there, the people there in your corner telling you, okay, do this. Okay. Yes, that's normal. Yes. No, that's not acceptable. You got to do this. You got to do that. So that at the end of those eight weeks, at the end of that year or whatever, you know, however long you keep them in your life, you're a new guy and you become the outlier. You become the guy who's doing things differently, getting better results, and enjoying your life
2: and having a higher-performing business along the way.
3: Freedom, too. Yeah.
2: R- R- totally. R- a little bit about exactly what Resting Line Academy do- does. You have these webinars. You meet in, in person. What kind of coaching do you offer? And roughly, how much does it cost?
3: Well, the, the coaching that we do, uh, all of it, is done over the Internet. We use what's called Zoom. So, there's Skype, which we're on right now with you, and then there's Zoom. And we just like Zoom a little bit more. So, it's really, you could call it face to face. Bill lives in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. I live right outside of Atlanta. And we work with people all over the country. So, um, or actually, we've got several clients outside of the country too. So, it's all virtual uh, type. But the kind of neat thing about it for years, Jordan, all I did was face to face and, you know, like in front of people. Uh, When you're using the tools that are available today, within 20 seconds, you totally forget that you're on an Internet call. So it just works quite well. As far as um, uh, our coaching goes, you know, we've got that one product that is the Freedom Boot Camp that Bill was just talking about, which is eight. uh, let's see, eight weeks long. And then after that, there's several different options that people can go down. Some of it has to do with uh, we call it uh individual coaching in a group uh, setting. And so it's a very unique style of doing um, uh, so, no, coaching, everybody, that it works. Everybody's well. on at
2: the same time, but you're I'm constantly sorry? one person Co- at a time, is that the idea?
3: Correct. And we also do individual coaching too. And those but prices, I, <clears throat> yeah, they're 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 hey, Robert, all different prices. Go ahead, Bill.
4: Well, Robert and and Jordan, I just wanted to mention
3: mm-hmm.
4: this. <clears throat> we used to do when we first started out. We used to do strictly individual coaching, and we had mm-hmm. several of our clients over the last couple of years ask us to please um, yeah. open up group coaching. And and we actually went to one of our smartest clients, and we said, "Tell us more about this." And he said, "I want." To learn from my peers, they're where I am. You guys are awesome, but you're you're 20 years down the road from me. I want to have my peers alongside me. I want to be climbing the the rock the the mountain with them. And he said, I want to have them available when I need them, meaning my buds, my 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 brothers. And so um, we experimented with our first group. We invited some of our best clients into a, a small group setting, a very intimate group. And what we found was that every one of them had experienced our individual coaching. And then we moved to individual coaching in a group setting. And we actually saw uh, higher energy, uh, actually even better results. And we Mm -hmm. get pretty darn good results. But we found friendships building amongst the men in our groups that we had never even anticipated. And so we still do. Uh, very focused private VIP level uh, individual coaching, but what we find is most popular is this small, this individual coaching we do in a small group setting. And how much does it cost? Well, our prices start at anywhere from uh, a, you know about five hundred dollars for our master class, and then we have people who pay us over hundred thousand dollars a year. For, uh you know our best and brightest uh, coaching so it kind of depends we've got a menu of, uh, of options for men but what I encourage everybody to do uh, in your audience if they if even anything in here sounds interesting is to explore what we call freedom Boot camp it's our one of our signature programs it's only eight weeks long and a man who jumps in there um, literally transforms his life and consequently his business. In a mere eight weeks. It's a boot camp, it's intense, uh, it's an intensive um, uh, eight weeks, but uh, we haven't had one client go through that without amazing, uh, life changing business transformational results.
2: Very good. All right, we're going to take a break. This is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guests this hour are Bill Watkins and Robert Mallon, who are the co founders of the Rusty Lion Academy. You can find out more about what we've been speaking at RustyLionAcademy.com. We'll be back after this.
0: Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network.
1: It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. From the boardroom to you.
0: Voice America Business Network.
1: You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan.
2: Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guests this hour are Bill Watkins and Robert Mellon, co-founders of the Rusty Lion Academy, which helps people improve their businesses. uh, Their website, RustyLionAcademy.com. Welcome back to both of you. So, so uh, Bill, say somebody has a good idea to start a business. Mm. Hear, hear these statistics about ninety percent of all businesses fail within the first year. You know, terrible oh, yeah. statistics all the time. How can you tell if an idea is going to be successful or if it's not going to be successful? If, if somebody came to you with a, a new business idea startup.
4: Well, we have we have uh, those guys come to us a lot and. Um, this is a great question just because my my uh, ver- 27-year-old um, son-in-law and daughter in the last six months have decided to launch a business in 2017. So Robert and I have been coming alongside them to help them think this through, and they're actually in the final stages of preparing for their launch. So I think um, what we encourage – let me see if I can get this down into a system because it's um, – first, what we want um, – uh, your audience to do is to ensure that they have some sort of passion and energy for this particular idea. Um, I could think of a thousand businesses that would flop in my mind every day I'd wake up, they would suck the energy out of me as opposed to uh, pouring energy into me. Rusty Lion Academy is something that I literally jump out of bed to do every day. So so um, you can't necessarily uh, build a business off of passion. You have to add in the second thing, which is, are you good at it? So um, this particular business, uh, Rusty Line Academy, involves transforming the lives and businesses of, of our you know, 30 to 49-year-old men who are business owners and key executives. Well, Robert and I have a track record of that. It energizes us. We're passionate about it, but we're really, really good. I'd say we're probably in the top couple of percent in the world as far as um, You know transformational performance coaching and then the third thing is um is this something that people will pay you for for example i'm very passionate um about uh opera love love opera gonna go see andre bocelli uh here in a few weeks um can't sing with a darn and therefore no one's ever going to pay me a penny so if i was to somehow try and build a career off of opera i could take all the lessons in the world and 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 never get a get earn, earn a dime in revenue So once we have those three uh, little concentric circles joined, there's a little teeny sweet spot down there, which is probably a good business idea. And from there, what you need to do, which is what Robert and I did for the first year as we were thinking through the academy, is jump into the life of your perfect customer. So we we uh, our perfect customer's name is Mike and he's married to Kathleen and they live you know here and they have children this old and he owns a business like this and and we've got a whole little book it's almost a, a biography of Mike and in doing so you begin to understand the world as your customer sees it and therefore it's very easy to determine how your product solves their biggest problem. Or their, or their most amazing opportunity or amplifies their most amazing opportunity. Now, when you find a product like that, you now have a customer and you now have a business. And so I think it's this two-step process of first running the concentric circles until you get that sweet spot, and then it's defining the customer who's going to buy your product. Very, very few entrepreneurs do this, um, go through this methodical process. I certainly didn't do it. Um, When I was in my garage brainstorming my product, I learned that the hard way, and therefore I starved to death for three years. And and as Robert knows, practically ran out of every dime I had, both uh, in my savings account and every penny of debt that I could raise. Well, we don't want our entrepreneurs to do that, and that's why the statistics, Jordan, speak badly about uh, the success of entrepreneurs.
2: So, Robert, what are you saying the difference is it's kind of coming from a customer's point of view – instead of from the business owner's point of view, I've got a great product out there. It's what people want or are willing to pay for. It's what comes first. Is that what you're saying?
3: I would say absolutely so, Jordan. And, you know, I'm thinking about, you were on our podcast back in July. And uh, with our podcast, I... the. Our guy is Mike. Like I I literally, when you and I were talking together, I kind of felt like you and I were at a kitchen table and there was a third person there and that was Mike. And so when, when I speak to the podcast, I'm speaking to Mike and I'm, I'm very aware that he's there. You with what you do with voice America you have your uh, we call it an avatar, but a perfect person who would listen to this podcast mm-hmm. and and so I think uh, definitely uh, you try to you know run your podcast this podcast that we're on towards the listener. what's exact same thing in business you're you're running your products and your services towards the person who would be the perfect person that you have as a customer. Um, so I think absolutely Bill's right on that. By the way, Bill, I just looked this up. I didn't realize this. What you just talked about is in good to great. And you probably knew that, and I didn't, but I was thinking, that sounds so familiar. But the the, <laughs> the combination of passion and energy, plus mm-hmm. you can be the best in the world at, plus Correct. you can a- actually make money at, is in one of the chapters. I just pulled it off the uh, bookshelf sure, yeah. and took a look. Yep.
2: Yeah, now some would say this is a very good time to start a business and mm. that you can do things online and it can be virtual yeah. and all that. Some would yep. say it's a terrible time to a business because there's all this consolidation, there's all this global competition all over the place. It's very mm. difficult. What what kind of time are we in as far as starting business? Is it a very good time or a very bad time? Can, can I
3: can I answer first, Bill, and then you jump in? But I I just want to say one thing to that. What you've got to find is something that's one inch wide that you can go one mile deep with. What mm. most people do, they're way too generalistic. So they go one mile wide and one inch deep. And they don't get the more niche that you can possibly be, the better off you're going to be. That's mm. why for us, uh, and actually, probably we should address this men. 30 to 49 years old business owners or key executives. Okay, we've had a lot of people say, why not women? And would you like to know the reason for that, Jordan? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the reason the reason is, and I'm sure quite a few of your, your audience, you know, are uh women. When Bill and I first started talking about this, we came up with a saying, and I'm not gonna say it on the uh the the channel here, but World-class, not half, and then you can fill in the the rest, okay? Okay. But we decided that everything we were going to do was going to be world-class and that we were going to take the business to a world-class, nobody in this type of coaching would have a better product than we have. Well, when we started really thinking about it, um, Bill and I love women. We're both married very happily to two ladies. We both have daughters. I have a granddaughter love them, but I've never lived one day as a woman. And so there's certain things in a woman's life that I've never experienced. I've watched three sons being born, but I've never given birth to a child. And so we really, you know, the way that we coach, we decided that we can't truly be world-class with women uh, although we love them to death, we just can't do that, and so we we made that determination to go strictly with men, because we we understand that world and we understand the struggles that they're they're up against and what they're facing there. So, mm-hmm.
2: so going for the niche, you're saying, but again, bring yes, mm-hmm. back to the question: Why is this a good time to be starting a business? Mm. Because there's been some tremendous consolidation in many industries and very yeah. dominant big companies. Why is this a good time to start a business if you do it right?
4: Well, you know, Jordan, our sweet spot is is guys who are running businesses around two two to ten million, and you know, I I started my business. I, Robert and I were talking uh, earlier today, and I forget the topic, but um, you know, I built a, a wonderful eight figure business, but it's not; it was never a billion dollar business, and I didn't necessarily aspire to a billion dollar business. So, I think there's some macroeconomics that that. Maybe if you intend to launch the next Facebook or the next Google or something like that and you're going to get venture capital and all that, sure, those, those um, drivers are something that you should definitely pay attention to. But for most of us, you know, uh, Bill and Robert, who, who are going to launch a $10 million uh, business or, or Mike, who's going to launch a $20 million business or Bob, who's going to have a $2 million business. Those macroeconomic drivers do not affect us uh, down on the ground in our markets in, mo- in most cases. And so what I tell entrepreneurs is almost every entrepreneur I talk about, I- my answer to that question would be, it's a great time to start a business if this is the right time for you. So forget about the 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 market drivers, forget about the economy. Go out and find a business that you can launch in this economy that you're passionate about, that people will pay you something for. So that's important. you know, back in two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine, it was kind of hard to find uh, people who were willing to pay you for things. But if you go back and check the history books, you will find that there were lots of businesses started during that period of time. There were lots of companies that thrived. There were a lot that went out of business, but there were lots that thrived. And so, it's just a matter of um, committing, stepping over the line in an intelligent way, um, and then moving forward. So, I don't think in the last five years I've now I have told some entrepreneurs that they have a bad business idea, but I don't think I've ever told a business uh, owner or an entrepreneur in the last five six years that this is the wrong time for their business. Might have been the wrong time in their life. It might have been the wrong business idea, but it wasn't because of something going on in the world or the government or the United States or the economy, whatever, that would tell me for them to back off.
2: I mean, some would say that the conglomeration of big businesses creates opportunities for smaller businesses totally to pick up the pieces that the big businesses are not particularly interested in. Is that totally. true? Totally. Oh, that that totally
4: is correct. Um you know what Robert said earlier was so wise, and and I hope your audience was leaning in and paying attention. The the principle for most of us, and and, and uh, I think under a hundred million or under five hundred employees, you're considered a small business, and that that's our whole world. You know, I mean, we we have a few uh, CEOs that that run you know massive companies, but but generally speaking, we're definitely in the world of small business. And here's what happens: corporations try and shoot the shotgun at everybody and therefore they generally speaking hit nobody. We we don't but they have a lot of money and they have shareholder value. Look at Sears languishing and Kmart languishing for the last what 10 years and the only reason they survive is cuz they have shareholder capital. But we small businesses don't have that luxury. So what we have to do is we keep have to keep niching down. This is what I was telling my daughter and my son-in-law. You have to keep dialing in the laser beam until you hit that narrow tribe of people. It could even be a thousand people. Mm-hmm. It could be a small, small, it is, it is so not on corporate America's uh, or even medium businesses' radar that you will have a great life, you'll, you'll have great success, you will penetrate, you will build such a raving fan tribe that corporate America never break through the wall of the passion that your customers have for you. But you cannot do that. You know, we had one entrepreneur about, I guess it was last year. It was basically like this. Oh, my typical customer? Um, anybody 25 to 85, men or women, anywhere in the United States, Canada, Mexico, blah, 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 blah. And basically we
2: said, well, dude,
4: you're going to sell nothing. Yeah,
2: Right. Um, right. You're, you're basically so, saying the riches are in the niches is the way I put it.
4: Yes. Nice. I like that. I'm gonna. I'm gonna uh, write that down as a You're quote. Steal and, that, give you, yeah. and no, I won't steal it. I'll give you credit for that because that
2: was pretty good. <laughs> uh, we do have to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of the Money Answer Show. My guests this hour are Bill Watkins and Robert Mallon. who are co-founders of Rusty Lion Academy. You can find out more about what they do at their website, RustyLionAcademy.com. We'll be back after this.
0: the boardroom to you voice america business network we hear it and read about it every day in the news america is heading over a fiscal cliff home prices are still receding and unemployment growing how can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
1: What if every day was a good day for business? Because every decision you made was the best choice. What if you could receive regular input from credible sources and could acquire all the precise information you need exactly when you need it so you can make the right decision every single time? Because There's More challenges you to make better decisions. Join Laura Ellis every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, and 2 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Business Channel and learn how to think differently for better decisions, better business get
0: the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on twitter find us at VoiceAmericaTRN trn or twitter.com forward slash voice america TRN.
1: you've been listening to the money answer show with jordan goodman if you have a question for jordan or his guest please call us now at 866-472-5790 that's 866-472-5790 now back to jordan
2: Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guests this hour, Bill Watkins and Robert Mallon, are co-founders of the Rusty Lion Academy, which helps small businesses improve themselves. Welcome back to both of you. Thank you. So one of the big differences between success and failure is leadership. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of people probably start a business because they're passionate about the particular product or service they're offering, but they've never really led other people. This is a big area to deal with. How, How can one become a good leader of other people when you're know, really kind of into the product or service as opposed to dealing with other people. Hmm. Well, I would say I, we
4: talked uh, during the break that um, as soon as you hire your first employee, you become a leader. Um, but the question, you, the question then becomes, well, is it hopeless because leaders are born? You know, in other words, you always hear, well, there's, you know, you're, you're born a leader. Um, in some cases, that's true, but I would say in most cases, leaders are bred, and they're either bred, say, at a leadership school like mine at West Point, uh, the, the, the uh, Army's leadership school, or maybe uh, some other leadership program, but generally speaking, we have to teach ourselves leadership. Our parents don't teach it to us necessarily. Sometimes we learn it in sports, and Robert has been teaching and speaking about leadership for, you know for decades. So um, I I, kind of want to throw this pitch over to Robert, but I want to first say to your audience, lean in right now, because Jordan is correct, that that, uh, John Maxwell says everything rises and falls on your leadership. And so if you're the business owner and you're the founder, you're the entrepreneur, you're the key executive... You are by default. If you're you you're you're not the only person in the room, then you are lead. You are a leader, and you you must look in the mirror and say, "I need to become the best leader uh, I, I I possibly can be." And Robert is one of those guys who teaches you to become the best leader that you can be.
2: So, Robert, since you've had so much experience, how do you transform people from entrepreneurs into the product or service into leaders running a company.
3: Let me give you two ideas if I could. And I'm, I'm thinking back. It's funny. Um, Probably 10 years ago, I was in Philadelphia and I was doing a really, really large seminar on leadership. And at a certain point, I asked people to get in groups of five or six and uh, just come up with what makes a great leader, a great leader. And I ask each person to think of a great leader in their own lives. Well, over the next probably 30 minutes or so, I asked people to give me one uh, specific trait that made that leader a great leader, and I wrote them down on the board. And I didn't really understand what I was doing. I was just kind of having fun with them and looking at it. When we put it all down, I probably hit 50 people and got 50 you know, names on this whiteboard or, or words. When we went back through it, the one common denominator, Jordan, was communication mm. so it was like um, great listeners or they could they could share their vision well or they held people accountable very well mm. or they they had the tough conversation so mm. point number one would be this if you want to be a great great leader get really really good at communication point totally. number two. I'm going to give you three things right now, Jordan, for, for your audience here. If they will write these three things down and master these three, I promise you they'll be great leaders. Number one, clarify the expectations with your employees. And I would say in writing. So clarify exactly what you expect from your employees in writing. And go over that with them. Don't just have them read it and expect that they understand what you're saying to them. Go really, really deep into what you expect. Number two, train them on what you expect. So once you've clarified what the expectations are, you've got to train them of exactly what you want them to do so that they reach the level of proficiency that you want them to have. And point number three, and this is where people miss the boat, I would say probably 95% of the time, When a leader is failing, this is what's happening or not happening. Hold people accountable. Mm -hmm. So once you've clarified the expectations and trained them to do what you're expecting them to do, then you've got to hold them accountable. And let me ask you, Jordan, why do you think people don't like to hold people accountable?
2: No, it makes them uncomfortable. It's a negative
3: yeah. thing. Yeah. Th- there's this this crazy thing, and we all—I ha- I won't say we all have it, but I'd say probably ninety-seven, ninety-eight percent of the people on the planet have this. We want to be liked. We want people mm-hmm. to like us, and it's an yeah. innate thing that we have. So we think if we hold people accountable, that they won't like us. Well, here's the hmm. problem: if you don't hold them accountable, they don't respect you. They're going to talk behind your back, and they're going to laugh at you. Okay, so you've got to lean towards holding people accountable. Then, if they like you, that's awesome. You know, but your job as a leader is to get things done. So, if you're really good at communication, and if you're really, really good also at uh, uh, giving good recognition and praise for jobs well done, and hold people accountable, you're going to be a really good leader. And I know that mm-hmm. sounds simplistic, but. If you nail those things, it's that easy, and it's that hard.
2: But a lot of people don't totally. want to be held accountable. if They don't follow through on what they say they're going to do, or they delay, or they come up with some excuse for not doing it. I mean, it's not easy to hold people accountable, so I guess that kind of leads to hiring and, and hiring. Yeah, exactly. Companies. That's exactly what I was
3: saying. You've got the wrong people. You know, <laughs> yeah, if, I was going to say you got the wrong problem, people. Yeah. One
4: of our signature products... Um, Jordan is called the A Player Hiring Toolkit, so it's one of our sweet spots. And Robert and I have perfected it. Robert, what over the last since two thousand and five, I guess. So it's so a lot know. of people
2: are not good at hiring. Is what you're saying?
4: Well, um, they don't. Number one, they don't have a process. Number two, they don't know what they're looking for. It's like going to, it's like me fly fishing uh, in the Snake River with the wrong date. You know, I I don't know where I know the trout are there someplace. I guess. I don't know whether I'm fishing for cutthroat or, or brown trout, and therefore I'm throwing the wrong bait. So um, in hiring, in the hiring pool, there's A players, B players, and C players. C players are 65% of the candidates. B players are 25%. C players are always out of work and always have a reason why it isn't their, f- their problem, why it isn't their fault. B and they players, don't want to
3: be held accountable.
4: They don't okay. want to be held accountable. B players don't want to be held accountable. They're they're employed and they're always looking because they, they think they're underemployed. Now, A players will never respond to your ads because their head is down. They're being rewarded. They are being held accountable. It's like uh, Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps doesn't have his coach so that his coach goes, good job, Michael. Good job, Michael. Every day, he wants his coach to point out the things that he can do better so that he can win, be the winningest you know Olympic swimmer in history. So A players welcome that feedback. Now, if you have a team full of people who don't want feedback, you either have C players or B players. You're probably working way too hard. Your company's underperforming and your life is a mess as a leader. Build your team of A players, build an A player culture. And all of a sudden, things are a lot easier. They're faster. They're better. And your performance is higher and your ability to communicate two way, meaning to say, hey, A player, uh, that was good. I'd like next time for you to do that. And the A player looks back at you and goes, thank you. I appreciated that. Yeah. Now, that's the kind of culture that you want to have. And, and, so, and that's the mark of a great leader. Look at, look, at, um, look at Bill Belichick. Now, he is an awesome leader, building awesome young men into great football players, but also great human beings. I wouldn't say he's a sugar-coated, you know, a sugar daddy. He's yeah. tough but they welcome it and they want to be on his team. Mm -hmm. They want to be traded so that they play on his team.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, but also from the entrepreneur's point of view, he doesn't feel like he has to do it all themselves. He surrounds themselves with A players because they trust your, your employees.
3: Yeah.
4: Biggest, one of the biggest reasons that when we interview, when we're talking to a candidate for one of our programs one of the biggest reasons, as we do surgery on his life and his business, and he describes his life as out of control and frenzied and, and, and high speed and way too many things to do and too little time to do it. One of the biggest reasons for that is because he's a poor leader in the sense of delegation and supervision, holding people accountable, and therefore, you're right, Jordan, he ends up having to do it all.
2: And they can't trust other people because they don't feel like i right. Yep, so well,
4: that's probably true.
2: I mean, you if you have C players, so so, yeah, yeah, they're they're not gonna do a
4: good job. That's just that's you building a C player team, shame on you. And so when you look in the mirror, you need to draw the line in the sand and say, I'm not putting up with this. My life stinks and I'm gonna change this and it's not their fault, it's my fault.
2: So in summing up, we have about two minutes to go. In summing up this bill, what difference would it make for a business person to come to work with you at Rusty Line Academy compared to Slug it out
4: on their own. I think, you know, when men uh, enter into our program and when men leave our program, I think there's a couple of signature words that we hear from almost everybody. I think we hear, um, I have, I get more things done. I have more control over my day. I have more clarity on where I'm going and darn it, I have a lot more freedom I have the freedom to be with the ones I love without feeling like I'm letting down my company. And I have the freedom to be at my company knowing that even while I'm there, I'm pouring into the lives of those that matter most to me. And those are the four buckets of what we hear from almost every guy that connects with us. Now, now they're building uh, amazing businesses. They are skyrocketing their performance at the exact same time that they're getting those other performance metrics styled in in the other parts of their life outside their business. And it's magical. L- guys That's- literally say, I never thought that I could have it all and do it all, but I can
2: Excellent. Well, thanks so much. My guests this hour have been Bill Watkins and Robert Mallon. They're the co-founders of the Rusty Lion Academy. You can find out more about their work at rustylionacademy.com. Thanks so much for being on the Money Answer Show, Bill and Robert. Thanks so much. Jordan. Thanks, Jordan. Real privilege. You're a great interviewer. Thanks again. And we'll be back next week with another edition of the Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now.
1: Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next.